Today is September 19th, 2020. This is episode 28 of Back to Normal. So let's get started. All right, today I am going to talk about a documentary that came out in the last week or two on Netflix. Uh, it's called The Social Dilemma. And honestly, this this documentary has has really given me a lot of motivation to continue to think and talk about social media. And um, I ha- highly recommend it. This goes along with um, a lot of what I've thought over the last two years um, about social media and about um, algorithms, recommendations. So documentary basically focuses on the harm that social media networks and recommendation algorithms are doing to society. And um, basically talking about how this issue in particular is not a political left versus political right issue. Um, The issue is about polarization and how no algorithm can can really nail down what the truth is. And that's the important part. It doesn't matter if a particular news story or something like that um, agrees with your philosophy. It matters if it's true and no computer at least currently, can determine that. And there's no kind of financial incentive for companies, whether they be media organizations or whether they be social media networks, there's no incentive, financially or otherwise, for them to optimize for the truth. Instead, the goal seems to be optimizing for um, keeping people attached to their screens and attached to the apps that they're in. And so I have definitely experienced this over my I think probably had 10 years or so on Facebook and the the idea that the next thing you see, the next thing that's recommended to you is definitely going to be something life-changing and super important that you just shouldn't miss and like I mean I'm not saying it never is because sometimes you see news that's really really important to you and sometimes you will see like some of the updates you will see on on a social media network like Facebook or something will be a friend sharing something really important. And so it feels like everything has that super importance, but the fact is that it just doesn't. And it's actually super easy and possible to opt out. And it doesn't really, it doesn't affect you in any kind of meaningful way, especially compared to the harm that being on a network like this can do. And the basic idea of the documentary is that, um, there's incentive for any kind of algorithm that does things to recommend to continue to to feed you things that are more and more extreme. And so you might start off with something totally uh, innocuous and really harmless, and then finding that um, all it really takes is one click on something or one amount of time spent looking at something in particular something that triggers an advertiser or something to say, hey, this person might be susceptible to um, some certain conspiracy theory, some certain piece of misinformation at this specific time. And it basically preys on our psychology in order to keep us on the site. And it's it's just a fascinating idea. And it's one that I've kind of been, I, I had been picking up on like, so I haven't had a Facebook account for like the the social network part of Facebook for about two years now. It seems like it's been a really long time. I don't know the actual exact time I stopped. Um, so I still have, I deleted all the, all the little bits and things that connect you to Facebook. I actually deleted 
the entire account um, earlier this year, the entire like messenger and everything. Um, I untied all the like login with Facebook connections that I had. I untied every little bit and it was hard because I'd actually done some development using Facebook apps. So I had to untie these things. I had to create a specific developer account and move all the credentials over there. Like it was a big deal to, to actually do this. And the plan was to delete Facebook Messenger completely until um, I realized this this early, late winter that um, during a pandemic, it's not a good idea to just cut off all social ties with with a certain set of people, the people that I that I only really spoke to on Messenger. And so I added back the Messenger part, but the network itself has just gone. Um, Instagram, I have left behind. Uh, Twitter, I am having. I'm. I'm. So yesterday, after recording the episode, I ended up deleting uh, the Twitter app from my phone, my computer, all my things, because I have just, oh, I've just been reading lately the things it's not because the problem with these networks is that it's all interconnected. So even if you yourself are not susceptible to, or are, have decided on principle or whatever, that you're not going to click on clickbaity stories, or you're not going to click on, um, anything that, that doesn't like kind of pass the smell test of being um, reasonable or like basically anything political that's going to polarize you either way and just cause an argument between people who can't see each other. Um, even if you don't click on those things, even if you don't engage with them, other people are. And so you're still seeing it all get surfaced. And uh, like what prompted me to do it yesterday was just for the second time in 24 hours, I, I opened a, the, the comments, like I tapped into the feed to read the thing and just started seeing what people were saying to each other after and it wasn't even that it was like full of swears or particularly nasty or anything it's just like two people like the documentary talks a lot about this the people sets of people are split in two over every single issue and it's it's in it's done intentionally to polarize to get because like if you just had like a bunch of boring updates on twitter that weren't groundbreaking but it's like political news that just is like country moves in a slight direction one way or another way um that wouldn't get this firestorm of comments and twitter doesn't make money unless people are like worked up to be staying on the site like if you read twitter for 10 minutes a day and you get all the important information you need that twitter doesn't make money that way twitter needs people to be engaged needs people to be spending hours a day on twitter clicking on stuff and liking and retweeting and all this stuff and it just doesn't work as well when people aren't fired up about it. And so at that point, reading those comments, reading those political kind of just firestorm comments, I decided, OK, I don't need this for today. This is not helping me. Um, I'm not getting anything out of it. I do like the, the principle of Twitter, which is um, which is, you know, the the idea that it's a democratic platform in that you can post anyone can post anything they want and you can you can go and see it and all this stuff is is good it it's it's not a bad idea but um it's been kind of perverted by the the functionality of being able to retweet and amplify combined specifically combined with the algorithmic timeline because what the algorithm algorithmic timeline lets you do is it lets the app it lets a decision engine put extra things into your feed or like move them around to make sure you see things and the boring things are not going to get that algorithmic push 
the things that didn't that nobody engaged with are not going to get that and the things the things that they can start putting in like they can start taking things that got engagement that aren't on someone that weren't posted by someone you follow and throw them in there too like they've started doing all these things with uh, algorithms to just push more stuff that that you didn't specifically ask for into your feed and the the thing about this is that when you're getting when you're receiving this it feels like a good thing it feels like wow thanks twitter for for sending me this i wouldn't have seen otherwise but that's like saying that's like honestly it feels like if you're walking around a casino and you've spent ten thousand dollars that day in the casino and then a, a staff member in the casino says oh hey you're um you're a really good customer here's another five hundred dollars in coins um go ahead go like have fun and you're like wow like the the thought when someone does that to you is like wow thanks now i can go and win more money but the idea is no this is actually they're they're quote unquote throwing you a bone so that when that 500 dollars that you've got is is run out that you're going to keep spending money because you're it's keeping you on the line it's keeping you in the app and one of the things that i was really fascinated by is just how many people they got from the tech industry, like former tech industry executives and and career founders and all this stuff, um, that were willing to be involved in this project and speak on the record about how how damaging this is and and what the solution is, which is basically um, some kind of regulation to to disincentivize or tax companies for collecting data and for using algorithms to recommend uh, more and more extreme content. And it's, yeah, there's like pretty consistent message from all these former founders and VPs and all this stuff. Um, it seems I, I've had, I've been alluding to it for a while now, but um, for a while in my topics list here, my suggested topics, I've been talking about a civil war in the United States. Um, and I've been, I've been hesitant to post about it, but then this documentary mentioned it. And th though it's not going to be the topic of this episode, it feels like um, along the same lines as climate change. It feels like there's a point in this kind of algorithmic driven social media future um, where things will accelerate and quickly pass the point where like a civil war between two groups in a country is just inevitable. And and that is like they talk about in the documentary, that's where a democracy can fall and it can happen shockingly quickly. And I think we've honestly like I think we are seeing it in Canada, but less. Um, but honestly, in the United States in the last four years, it feels like we're right on the precipice. And I'm not, I obviously have what I consider my version of objective and subjective reality um, that is, I think, less, and again, this is like this is such a weird thing, but I think it's less informed by algorithms. I think it's more informed by evidence. Um, I have my own opinions about politics, but um, I don't want a major economy in Western democracy to fall to authoritarianism. I don't want it to fall to civil war. I do not want that as, as somebody who has a passive, like moral obligation to want this. And as somebody who has a direct incentive to not want the country bordering my country to the South to fall into a civil war. Like I have no interest in being like potentially collateral damage in a, in a war like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really heavy issue and similar to climate change. Again, going back to that metaphor, things are accelerating with, um, with social media and with these algorithms and extreme, um, 
extreme differentiation of opinion based on political affiliation and just based on just based on random things um in the world like based on random factors like where you live how much money you make um what your hobbies are all these things affect how the algorithm views you and like climate change i think we might be closer to this point of no return than we realize and we could potentially be like honestly there's an election going on in the states in november and I genuinely think that it's going to be difficult to not end that in civil war. Uh, there's another really, really interesting point that the uh, that the documentary makes, which is that um, it's not just social media that's doing this. Any any organization, any business that prioritizes your attention, that makes money by you paying attention to it, is prone to these same weaknesses and these same failure modes. Um, and so, media organizations, news organizations are prone to the exact same thing. Um, if you if you post uh, or have a story about some kind of extreme thing, even if you're not necessarily taking a view on it, and that's honestly worse than anything is not taking a side, um, not like the, the role objectively of journalism is to dig, find the truth and tell the story, the true story of what happened. And more and more and more recently, there's no value in that for them financially and so they've just stopped they don't present what they view as the truth oftentimes especially if it's controversial especially if it might cause 50 percent of their audience to just turn it off um, they don't present the objective truth and when they do present the objective truth it's seen as partisan and it's it's honestly terrifying and it's one of the reasons that like there's a lot of news networks and organizations that i just can't read or follow anymore it's like Oftentimes, I'll go on Twitter for news and I'll get the headline, um, again, thinking about what the source of the news is, what, why they're putting this in the news, what the framing, what the context is. And yeah, it's, you, you have to be on guard because so many of the news stories you read today are politically motivated or, or, or designed to push a certain group of people in a certain direction um, with the way they're thinking about an issue. And honestly, it's, it's kind of terrifying. There's so much around you that's just designed to keep your attention that it's really hard. Like even obviously the coronavirus is a serious issue, but even then I've noticed that um, news organizations, media are posting about this or talking about it on the news constantly because um, because it's based on such a primal fear. Uh, it's a health issue. All these things they can they can just talk about it endlessly on the news, and they know you're going to keep watching because of course because it affects your health. And it's like even the incentives there are perverse and like it's damaging to just be thrown all this information. And like anytime a, a study comes out in preprint that hasn't been peer reviewed yet, they just throw it on the news and say, hey, this is the latest study. And now it says that everything's fine and you can go outside again and stop wearing masks. And then the next day they come out and they'll say, oh, actually, masks were a really good idea. We should have been wearing masks this whole time. Why did you all take them off yesterday? And it's like, you told us to do that. And it's, it's very frustrating. It's a very difficult time to figure out, um, to live in, to figure out what the objective truth is, because it's, it's really hard to find. Like, it always has been, but there's so much more amplification of, of misinformation now compared to what there was before. Um, and so the, the point of this documentary, the, w the way they end it, um, is talking about how it's going to take a critical mass of people noticing that this is happening. and doing something about it, taking some kind of critical action to 
tear themselves away from the algorithm, to tear themselves away from that addiction center, um, unless the government starts taking steps to regulate it. But unfortunately, the government is made up of the same people that are susceptible to this kind of misinformation. And so there's actually like, it's almost like unintentionally, these social media companies are have built in a fail safe for their own product. Because even the officials, the government officials that would have to step in and regulate this are benefiting from it, um, especially the ones in power in the US right now. They're, they're benefiting really hard from, from these social networks and the way that they can um, radicalize people and the way that they can polarize the opinion of people. And so there's no real incentive for them politically to do that. Because if, if a bunch of people have their eyes opened to what the truth is, whatever that objective truth is, um, if 50% of your people, um, are not currently believing in the truth if they're currently believing something that is misinformation um if you open all their eyes to that at the same time you're going to lose a bunch of voters no matter what happens and so it's going to take some kind of principled stand for people to tear themselves away from this look back at the big picture and say even though this is helping me it is dangerous and we should probably stop and i need to be responsible to be the one to stop it and yeah it might tearing people saying we need to regulate these companies and regulate what they're allowed to do is probably not going to be good for for a politician to suggest right now because people love their social networks but it is and but they don't realize it it's like saying it's like talking to a junkie and saying we need to take away your drugs they're bad for you they're going to go no i need them i physically need them and so it's a really really tough thing to do but honestly we have to do it there's no there's no way we get out of this without divesting ourselves of these algorithms and these recommendation engines. And I have so much more to say about this, but honestly, I'm just going to point you to this documentary. It's really great. Um, it, it kind of looks at a, a dramatized version of somebody being radicalized and, and what the like personifying the algorithm to show you what it kind of looks like they're, they're doing, um, what the social media networks are doing. And I honestly think they could have gone further with what they did, but um, yeah, it, it's it's a very interesting documentary. It's not that long. It's an hour and a half or so. Um, it, hilariously enough, on the recommendation algorithm that Netflix has, it's number three in Canada. And so it seems if these algorithms are actually reflecting the truth that this is quite popular. So um, I do hope that other people will continue because I, when, I, when I left Facebook, I was like, this is the reason why I'm doing it. Um, I think it's it's bad for us. And I think we need to take these algorithms that we don't really under fully understand out of our lives and you know take back control of our attention and um so hopefully people will see that and do that the same thing but honestly people love their social media networks and so i don't know i don't know what i have to say about this but it's yeah it's not great um basically if something has if something be it a product a social media network a media organization if they are financially incentivized to keep you paying attention um, through features that do that, then you're susceptible to it. And it, like it's worth looking into. It's worth at least thinking about how you can make sure that you're not subject to these kinds of human weaknesses of psychology and try to separate yourself from the algorithm. I'm going to leave it there for now. Um, like I said, I really encourage this. And, and if anybody has questions or comments about this, I would love to talk about it more. So um, anyways, you can follow me on Twitter at Rob Attrell. That's A-T-T-R-E-L-L. -L. And honestly, right now it's off my phone. I've deleted it. Um, but if you, if you let me know, I will, I will come back because I do get value out of Twitter. But it is, yeah, not the algorithm. I'm, I'm constantly 
um, saying see less of things that that other people liked in my timeline. I'm constantly muting advertisers. Um, every time it turns the algorithm to to sort my tweets, I say, no, I want to see the most recent ones first. Stop doing that. Um, so I'm going to continue to use Twitter, but I'd like Facebook, Instagram, um, all these other social networks that, that are highly algorithm powered, even YouTube. I don't really use the recommendations part. I don't use the trending part. I just use my subscriptions. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny how ingrained it is just before I go that um, that I immediately was like, oh, yeah, send me a question on Twitter because I'm probably not going to give out my email. Um, but yeah, I am curious to hear what other people have to say about this. So perhaps I'll be back with another episode talking about more about this. Um, in the future. But for now, thanks for listening. Talk to you in the next one. Bye.